Ah, there you are. We've been waiting for you. If you've been struggling to get your personal fitness on track and keep it there, then you're in the perfect place. Because this guy is good. And I mean really good. to the Fitness Whisperer podcast, where you get simplified strategies and unique insights on exercise, nutrition, mindset, and life itself from best-selling author and progressive fitness innovator, Joey Atlas. He's been helping people achieve sustainable fitness success for over 30 years in ways that are realistic, doable, and super effective. And now he's helping you. So clear your mind and get ready for a powerful dose of health-improving, life-enhancing wisdom from the fitness whisperer himself, Joey Atlas. Thank you, Melissa, and thank you for tuning in. This is Joey Atlas, the fitness whisperer, and today we have the fitness whisperer podcast episode number 16, and we're calling this one Insights on Habits, Mindset, and Lifestyle, or Lifestyle, Habits, and Mindset, or Mindset, Habits, and Lifestyle, they all get tied together somehow, which we're going to find out more, more today. And I have a very special guest with us. She is Laura Explora, all one word, L-O-R-A-X-P-L-O-R-A. Laura Explora is with us today. Before I tell you who she is, we're going to have Laura say hello. Hi. <laughs> How are we doing, Laura? Very good. Thank you awesome. for having me on the show, Joey. Total pleasure. Total pleasure. This is going to be some really helpful material for anybody listening. Uh, a lot of evergreen stuff we're going to share. And for anybody listening, the uh, if you listen to the intro music and Melissa, who does the intro, the voiceover, and she talks about this guy is good, and I mean really good. <laughs> She's not kidding. But part of me being really good is recognizing other good stories and other good people out there who have things about their life to share with others that can either inspire you, energize you, or wake you up to maybe what you haven't known about others or about yourself or both. And can therefore point you in the right direction to where you would like to go, but you just need some, some guidance and inspiration. And so again, part of me being good is finding the good in other people, finding good other people so that we can highlight and share their stories and their insights and their wisdom to help you strengthen your path, start your path, fine tune your path, refine your path of health, wellness, and longevity. So knowing that we have various types of listeners tuning into this, whether it's the day we publish it or five or 10 years after we publish it, we're going to share information that will help various people at various points on that journey. For example, let's say you're a veteran fitness pro and you listen to this because of the unique value and wisdom it brings you. There's a lot of this you may already know, uh, and believe in already, but the way we may word something or a metaphor we might use for something may actually help you get better at impacting your clients in a more positive way, which is awesome. That's why we do this. If you're somebody who is just waking up 
in middle age to your health issues and you want to really find out why the foods you're eating and your sedentary lifestyle is and are the cause of your medical issues and things that you want to change, then there are going to be lessons and pieces of info in here that are going to absolutely help you. So on that note, we are going to get right into it. And first, uh, I, I don't want to give too much away today, Laura, about how we met. We're going to save that. I think we're going to save that for another episode in the near future. Would that be cool? That's awesome. Okay, so let's give them enough so that they understand contextually contextually why we're doing this today and what it means to them. So Laura and I met, and again, we won't give away the secrets until one of the next few episodes. And after we met, we started communicating and continued to communicate and found out that there were a lot of overlapping synergies in our values of health, wellness, mindset, longevity. Uh, we had many similarities in our lives uh, of various challenges we've had and ways that we've overcome those challenges and have found and created solutions to those challenges. And the more we explored uh, each other's light, lives and philosophies in these conversations, the more we realized that if there were people listening to these conversations, they would get so much, so much out of hearing what we have to say and share that it makes sense for us to at least do one, two, maybe more, maybe multiple episodes of a podcast of these conversations that will allow people to see real life examples of what we do and how we do it and why we do it. So does that help uh, people understand where we're coming from, Laura? Absolutely. People will relate. People will be inspired. Uh-huh. Ask themselves questions. Right. I'm going to bring up the right. Yes. So yeah. here we go. <laughs> so here's how I want to start this, Laura. You and I, we've had a chance to speak several times. Lots of good material exchanged in those conversations. And I only know a little bit about your backstory. And so I thought one of the best ways to open this up that would be helpful for anybody listening is to learn more about your backstory, Laura's history on how you came into living the type of healthy lifestyle you do now. Mm. And um, so you can go back as far as you want and, you know, relax, take your time. And take us on the journey of what got you to where you are today and how you live these habits and, and with this mindset and how you've structured your lifestyle and why. Wow. The stage, the stage is yours. <laughs> take your time. That's a tremendous question. Well, Joey, I definitely believe it started when I was a kid. I remember my mom was always trying to teach my brother and I how to, he- how to eat healthy And she was such a strong influence for us to make sure that we were eating well. But she ended up taking a job that made her not available to be around for my brother and I as often. And my father took over. And my father was quite the opposite. And it was more of the happy meals. It was easier. And although he made some incredible, awesome, special sandwiches for my brother and I, 
it was just a it was just a real change up in our lives, and we became really used to that. And so, fast forward, I really I fast forward into my teens and uh, through college, and I never quite felt um, healthy. I always felt like I was I want to say like the the insecure, uncomfortable, always having a bad stomach ache, never ever finding what to eat, insecure about my weight, insecure about how I felt. I just never felt quite right. And it was emotional and physical. And I went to college and I tried to lose a lot of that college weight and I ended up getting mono. And I remember being very, very sick and in college, of course, you have all those influences and there's drug and alcohol and smoking and, and trying to study and no sleep and life and teenage years and hormones. And it was just as if I felt like I, I was going through a slow death uh, and I needed to refocus myself. And I actually left college to come back home and figure out what was going on. And my mother brought me to um, a fitness class and to, to encourage me and a martial arts class to get me to move my body instead of focusing on being so obsessed with weight and food and discomfort. And I ended up learning how to stop and listen to my body during that period of time. And I changed everything. Um, I remember going to the doctor and the doctor first said after I recovered from mono that I needed to go on Prozac because I was depressed and I was uh, overweight, and I needed mental help, and that I couldn't do it on my own, and that I had Hashimoto's hypothyroid, and that that was also a problem, and I had to go on medication for the rest of my life. And so all this information at that age, at that young age in your early, not even 20, I think I was 19, was it was just shocking for me. It was just shocking for me. And to be put on some kind of uh, medication to help my mental, it just didn't register. And I've always, thank goodness, been the person where I've always questioned. I've never just taken an answer and stuck with it. And so I challenged the heck out of that. I absolutely challenged my mother. I challenged my father. I challenged my schools. I challenged the doctor. In fact, I didn't take any of the medication. After one week, um, the first time I took it, I said, that's it, I'm done. Because Prozac made me jittery. I was very confused. My parents said, well, you're suicidal. You need to." It was a very difficult period of time. Nobody understood what was going on. Not even myself, but I knew something wasn't right. So I went to the bookstore and I found a book from Dr. Andrew Weil. And I read it front to cover, I mean, back front to back, very quickly. And I changed everything in my life based on that book. And that had to do with everything, uh, really moving my body and having fitness without being obsessed about it, eating healthy foods, making just little switches, you know, to heat, eating healthy foods healthy fats and oils and changing the type of meats and less meat and more vegetables and more water, just basics, basics. Mm -hmm. It was a re-education. And as far as having Hashimoto's hypothyroid, I really researched more of that as well. And I went back into college and lived in my own apartment 
I didn't even go onto campus because I didn't want to be influenced by anyone around me except for my own research. And I did that. Mm -hmm. So I did a full-time job. I went to college full-time and I was researching all about this thyroid condition and how to get better. And I studied so hard and I started to work even harder. And I noticed my health was getting better, but then I was becoming more obsessed with work and research. And, you know, I had that opportunity to realize that I was becoming more extreme and I needed to rebalance my life again. So again, I got sick. So I got sick again. It was, it was a relapse of mono and I was in a job and I was in school and I was really just trying. And again, I was lying there unable to move and trying to figure out what is going on. And I never found the right doctor. They always wanted to put me on medication and I continued to fight the system. And flash forward many years later, I'm going to tell you, I actually smoked cigarettes when I was in my early college years. And I quit that. Uh, my grandfather died from cancer. So the day he died, I quit. And I wasn't, I never really believed that I was addicted. I really believed that I was someone who was looking for an outlet my whole life. And I learned how to replace that habit in my exercise classes and going for walks and more walking and more exercise and more healthy foods. I changed it up and I found yoga and I found meditation and I started to surround myself with better people that actually influenced me. And that's what changed everything. Mm -hmm. So all these things were happening. And I was starting to feel better, but I never felt quite 100%. Mm -hmm. So here I am in my 40s. And the last three years, I found a doctor that finally listened to me when I said how I felt. Because thyroid is a very delicate thing. There is no answer on the perfect level. There's a lot of challenging mm -hmm. I've been doing with doctors. And the internet makes research so much more available. More people are coming out with real valid information. There's, we're not alone. I'm not alone. I thought mm -hmm. I was alone. I thought I was the only one dealing with this. So with all of this information out there, I finally felt not alone, which is really important. I felt there's a community of others that are also like me, struggling, but yet challenging and not giving up. And Joey, that's why we relate. That's right. why I can resonate with your, with your mission and who you are and and everything you're doing, because I myself am that kind of person too. I challenge because I know deep down inside, there's something not right and I'm going to fix it. And I'm going to go yeah. against the norm yep. until I find what it is. Mm -hmm. And last year I started to find what it is. And I started to find more communities of people just like me. And I, I started to experiment with all different types of foods and I've been having fun with it. So instead of considering having Hashimoto's hypothyroid or anxiety or um, being obsessive or insecurity, a challenge and a problem, I looked at it as a learning experience that's going to make me better. Mm -hmm. So I kept pushing the envelope and kept pushing the envelope and I still do. And I found through food how to heal myself. Ultimately, it's through the right foods. Because even though we think that there are foods that are healthy for us, 
there are so there's so much more to food and our gut than we realize. Then even when we study, we think we know it. It just it baffled me last year. I was thinking, you know, my my kale shakes in the morning were actually the best thing for me, but actually it was killing my thyroid. I had no idea. Here I think I'm being healthy. So things like that there led to more research and more connections and more people to finally come up with an answer that made me feel myself and better and and clear and healthy and able mm-hmm. to. And so all these wonderful habits I incorporated as well as waking up at a certain time in the morning and make sure that I get in my walk and I do a fitness routine every day and I do meditation every day and I make sure I prepare every day what I need so I'm not feeling like I'm at a loss and I'm taking care of myself so I'm not obsessing over it. I can live my life and make room for everything else that means so much to me in my life. But for a long time, it was all consuming and lonely and scary and concerning. But there's Mm -hmm. hope. There's hope. And there's so many ways to go about it. So it it just comes down to finally finding people and sharing and making a plan and sticking with it. Like with anything, you make a plan. This is how I want to be. Here I am right now. How do I get to where I want to be? And let me enjoy that journey along the way because this is life. Right. And I right. finally feel there. I feel healthy, good, happy, and and strong and, and capable of, of healing quicker and living life to the fullest. And, oh, I wish that for everyone. I feel that everybody mm-hmm. needs to feel that way. To live your best, and that's why, and that's why one of the reasons why you're reasons why you're here, yeah. sharing that, sharing that, because because being someone who's just gone who's just gone through the path that you've gone through, and aiming to continue on that path, uh, you have the experience based wisdom to help guide other people as well. You describe your your journey. And people, there are a lot presented. of people who are presented with situations that you described, but a lot of them, unfortunately, go the route of taking the doctor's advice on visit number one, yeah. medication, medication um, um, and they don't, and they don't question. stop to question and think, well, maybe that's not the right answer, even though the doctor is saying that's the right answer or the best answer at this time, maybe I need to stop and consider this myself and and ask myself, are there other things I can or should be aware of and or doing that can change this scenario without the doctor's traditional prescription? Question the norm. Right. And so when we talk about this norm, which are multiple norms, uh, that you know they were they were there when we were kids right 30 20 30 40 years ago and they're just as prevalent now uh, because we see that obesity is on the rise uh kids are kids are becoming diabetic so there's like childhood onset not not only adult onset diabetes there's childhood onset like it starts in childhood with this this these sedentary lifestyles and more so from the garbage that people are feeding their families. And so I think there's, 
a real insidious paradigm that your life was an example of that. Your, 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 what you described with going through the transition from your mom feeding you guys to then your dad feeding you guys in a more convenient kind of way, it's an example uh, of the paradigm that people live in today. Lives are even busier now, Yeah. right? Because people allow them to be. That's not, it doesn't have to be like that, but people feel so much busier and they load their schedules up they don't leave enough time for themselves to do the the necessary things in terms of making sure they have the right foods, making sure they're not eating the wrong foods, making sure they have time for self-care every day. And so they resort to fast food, uh, bad food, uh, lack of proper exercise, lack of proper self-care. And when you throw all those at the human body and, and the brain, you, of course, get all of these things that we see in society becoming major problems like depression, like thyroid issues, uh, like obesity, uh, you name it, how, you know, how the list goes long. So, again, we talk about your story as an example of somebody rising above the normal path, taking a proactive approach to stop question what's being advised, looking at the things in your life, what you can change, learning on your own also, like taking the time and responsibility to go learn the things that you don't already know about your body and your health and how what we put into it affects mm. what we get out of it. Not you know, it's, we know this, a t only a tiny percentage of people do that. Most people rely on the quote unquote doctor to fix things. So the reason why this story is important and I wanted Laura to share this is so that you listening can either benefit from taking the same action because you can, you're a human being, you have more intelligence than you can ever know. But it's up to you to decide to take the right steps. Now, if you're already on the path and doing the things that we're talking about, then, of course, you can share this with somebody who is yet to get there, who needs some more external input, another example, another seeing that another person has done it and hearing how they did it. That may just inspire your friend, family member, or coworker into also waking up and taking the proper steps to take responsibility of their own health, wellness, and longevity, and not waiting for the doctor to write a prescription or a bunch of prescriptions to fix all the things that are wrong, because that usually doesn't end mm. in a good place. So I thank you for openly and candidly sharing that story, You're welcome. Laura. I, I really think it's it's not one direct path that occurred. It was just a whole bunch of different things that led me to one, to another, to another. Right. And that's... Right. It's and it's not, and it's We're not, still and going. it's an aha moment that I had that I followed that rabbit hole and I followed that mm -hmm. hole that got me to whittle right. it down and make it work for me. But I woke up. It's an, mm -hmm. it's an, an initial waking up. Uh, and without the exposure right. to that, that's, yeah. that's a huge without step Without that one. exposure, wake up, step one is you know, be exposed to the right, Look for the right answer. Look for it. Never give up. 
Right. Awesome. So anybody listening, um, again, Laura's on here for several good reasons. And one of the things she's working toward in life is to be able to help people through these kinds of situations to get from the place where you're struggling and having a hard time figuring things out to a place where you are figuring things out and making awesome progress with your health and life. So Laura is gearing up to be proactively offering her help, her guidance, uh, and her wisdom to, to help people along that path. So we'll share where you can get in touch with Laura at the end of this episode. So stay tuned so that you do not miss where you can connect with Laura. We're going to share that soon. So <laughs> moving on to the next segment of this episode, yes. Laura Explorer. I think you might have some topics and or, and or questions or conversation pieces uh, for us to, to get into. Am I right? Absolutely. So part <laughs> of the mission have? I have in my life is to connect myself with more people, more community that is also going in the same direction as far as health and wellness and doing doing the best they can so they can all live a happy, fulfilled life as a collective. And I found myself quite by accident, hearing the voice of someone who inspired me. And I said, aha, this person has got the right idea. And it was a conversation this person had and written <clears throat> the Joey Atlas on, on giving up alcohol. And that's something I did as well, but I wanted to ask you why. So you can share that. Mm. You can share that. Yeah, awesome question. Thank you. Um, so, several key reasons, and um, one of them is being self-reflective and introspective, and and always kind of taking stock of where am I at in life. Where am I aiming? What things can I improve, change, add, or delete so that I'm getting closer and closer to my goals in the big picture of life? And so alcohol was one of these things that I kind of wavered on for a handful of years. Now, let's put this into context. I started drinking what I believe is relatively young when I was 14 started drinking. Um, I was an adventurer. I still am, of course. Uh, the, the, the kids I hung around with were adventurous. We were mischievous. We pushed the boundaries. Um, and we grew up in, in a blue collar, uh, neighborhood. It was good. It was a good neighborhood, middle class, uh, hardworking neighborhood. It was a mixture of blue collar guys and, and white collar corporate guys. And, uh, but the crowd that, uh, I was magnetized to and was magnetized to me, we wanted to explore and drinking was one of those ways of exploring at a young age and, uh, helping enhance mm -hmm. our activities. So, uh, I started young, uh, on that same note, I never, never, started doing any kind of drugs or smoking anything. Never started, never did it, not even in college. Plenty of opportunities, endless opportunities, but 
that just never appealed to me. Um, it just never did. So I, it was never something I had to contend with, but the alcohol was. And so drank into high school, through high school, into college, through college, after college. Um, and I never felt like I had an alcohol problem, even though I did overdo it plenty of times. Uh, I never felt like I was addicted to it. And uh, going through the two tough marriages and divorces, I never had to rely on alcohol, but it was still there in my life. I would say almost all the time if I wanted it. Um, there were times where it wasn't a part of my life. There may have been three-month blocks or six-month blocks where I didn't drink at all. But it's not because I gave it up for good. It's just that I, I didn't have the desire to, to drink. Um, in the last bunch of years, say five, six, seven, um, I did get into drinking again, but not in, in a, a codependent kind of way. It was more part of the dinner routine. Um, I enjoyed it, especially being solo. It was a way for me to relax at night and, and cook for me and the kids. Um, and there were times where I, I would have too much and I would feel it the next day. And it, it didn't feel right. It started to not feel good. And in the last bunch of years, I also started taking a closer look at uh, various studies and research being done on the links to various cancers uh, with alcohol. And that really caught my attention. And also having two kids who are in college and probably in their prime drinking years, um, I felt like it's time for me to make some kind of decision on this thing. And if I want to be able to show people that drinking through life is not, is not necessary and not needed in order for you to have a full, uh, full, happy and rewarding life, then I need to be that example. And if I am going to be an example of health, wellness, and longevity, and decreasing the risk of cancer is part of that, and, and if I believe this research and these studies that are pointing toward the links uh, between alcohol and cancer, then that's another reason I have to stop. And um, I had a few other signals from the universe. Uh, I had a, had a conversation with a friend maybe a year and eight months ago. And it was just a random conversation we were having around, it was upcoming the 4th of July. And we were talking about how many people look forward to that kind of holiday simply because they look forward to getting drunk. And I'm talking adults with kids, families. They look forward to the holiday. Number one reason is because they could drink an extra day uh, because they're off from work. They could start early. They could stop late. And um, I was like, I I'm not that person. Like, that's another reason I want to stop. I want to take a stand against people numbing themselves when in reality on certain holidays, you should be fully coherent so that you can enjoy the people that you are with and be at your best and not be half buzzed or fully buzzed or, you know, numbing, numbing your actual feelings so that you can enjoy a holiday. Something is wrong there at the foundation that needs to be fixed and alcohol is not going to fix it by numbing it. So all of these reasons were stacking up. And I've, you know, as 
most people do, you finally come to a point where you, you say, okay, I'm, I have to make a decision about something right now and I'm going to make it. So I just decided, okay, I'm, I'm done with alcohol. Like I, it has no place in my life. All the reasons are right there in front of me. Uh, it does not enhance nor support anything I'm working for and working toward. Uh, and it's done with. And so that in a nutshell is how and why I decided alcohol does not serve That's a place awesome, in my Joey. life and That's therefore I do not drink. Bold and intentional. Bold. Yes. And it, it wasn't easy. Like I said, I, I was not addicted to alcohol, but I could see that with certain, if certain life circumstances occurred and I don't know what those could be, you know, a death in my family or something tragic happening. And I was a consistent drinker. Then I think the scenario could have been there for me to become codependent on alcohol as a coping mechanism. And so that's another reason why I wanted to remove it before any kind of scenario like that could arise, because that would only make anything like that that happens even worse. So I wanted to prevent what could possibly turn into an addiction in the future, because I believe that there is programming where it's kind of like our food supply. Most of the foods that are in our food supply are insidiously created so that they become addictive. And the more you eat, the more of them you want, right? And keep going back. So I didn't want my midlife years and into the future become a scenario where the addictive properties of alcohol start to take hold on me. And so that was another reason to drop it and give it up. So it couldn't. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting you talk about what you do as a program it's learned behavior and it's what makes you great is that you question, you know, and you, you recognize, and that's really important as, as I recognize too, we got to question if something doesn't Mm -hmm. feel right in our body or we have to be inquisitive. If something doesn't make sense, we have the power to relearn. We have the power to question and reevaluate and find out what, how is, a, how is there a better way and why? Why do I want there to be a better way? Because, and just like you said, I want to be healthy and better for my future. I want to be able to be there for my children and my, my life. I want it to be the best. Mm-hmm. But we have to question some of the things we do that are right. automatic because it's learned. Right. So you raise an awesome point. Yes. What you're saying is... So in real life, here's what that looks like. Booze is a huge industry. I mean, it's like, it's, it's, the, it's the drug you don't need a prescription for. Okay. And it is so, it is so intertwined into our society that people accept it as normal. Right. They, people have been programmed to accept alcohol consumption as extremely normal Mm -hmm. and okay. Right. 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 And so now looking at that, this is another one of these, I guess you could say in more intangible or hidden reasons that I decided to give it up. I Mm -hmm. don't operate (laughs) under norms. 
I don't operate under mass programming of mindset, the collective mindset. So when I started to look at people's behavior and the wording they would use and the conversations they would have around alcohol, whether it's beer, wine, hard liquor, you name it, I was like, whoa, that is not me. They don't even know how <laughs> they've been trained to drink. Absolutely. Like, all right, you follow me? So I said, all right, this that's an even that's probably one of the strongest reasons right there. Like that is not me. I do my own programming for this mind, this life, this body. And most of the conversations that people have as like most people just talk about it as if most people assume everybody drinks. Most people just speak and they don't there. even think about what they're saying. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So when you say, oh, I don't drink, it's like, ah. you know, it's like a, what do you mean? Like, you know, right. were, were you an alcoholic a, and you have a, to stop? I have the same thing. And I, <laughs> I made a decision, Joey, to do the same thing over a year ago because mm-hmm. it wasn't doing, I, I had to look at it. Why am I doing this? And I can do this and feel this way that I was looking for, some kind of feeling when I was cooking or lounging and enjoying with others. It didn't feel right. I felt like a fraud. And there, that feeling I had naturally. And why do I have to have a glass in my hand filled with something and then the next day or hours later not feel good? There's other ways. And I Right. No. And why is it that it makes sense? I I felt the only person uh, that didn't have to have a drink and still be silly and fun and relaxed or pleasured and high on life, right? And everybody made fun of me. They're like, you know, nobody would know if you were drinking real alcohol in that glass or not. And I would fill it with water for a while, and you know, just to to be part of to not get bothered by it. But the truth is, I stopped doing that. And somebody will question me, and I'm sure they do that with you. What? Just have a drink, loosen up, lighten up. And no, you know what? I'm totally loose already. Yeah, I, I'm so. Good. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. Like, I don't. And I don't thank you. And I also know deep down in, in my, my body too, though, that the consequence of that is going against who I am, right. what I am, how I feel, and my body. And you, you get conditioned you've picked up a better habit and you have the right conversation with yourself when it comes to that and we don't need anyone else to redeem that for us we don't need that right and then look at you you know look at you and, and you feel and people see how good you look and how good you feel and you feel it and then that actually it does the opposite now maybe somebody's gonna go wow look at that i gotta question myself yeah, yeah I mean, it's hard to argue right. with the results. You're going to challenge me? <laughs> right. You know, okay. Yeah, there's no challenge here. I, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the greatest testament to these choices we're talking about. When people see yeah. the example in the flesh and you get it, people come to you. Oh, you know, how do you, how do you, yeah. you know, what kind of workout do you do? How do you eat? Um, yeah. When you start to say, here are, the, here, are the, here are the main things I do and don't do, right? And if, if you want to be your own best version of yourself, like I am of me, then there are mm-hmm. these main things that you're going to want to do. It's not just one trick or one tip or, you know, a diet food or, 
uh, an exercise for your stomach. This is about your mindset, your values, and the foundational paradigm that you want to exist in in this world. <laughs> and usually, unless there's any, sub, any kind of really uh, specific medical issue preventing otherwise, the end results show on the outside. How you treat the body, how you feed it, both nutrition-wise, uh, brain-wise, what you take in mentally and emotionally, and, and mm. how you nurture the body. Um, it is, it is the, the, the visual aspect of what you see on the outside is a reflection of everything oh, that's going absolutely. into the body uh, from, Joey, from all this directions. Reminds me, this reminds me of you know, <laughs> non-negotiables. You know, you after after all this, and you learn uh-huh. what feels good, and and this is it. You know, this is the best version of me. I'm just getting better, so that I can be the best for my the rest of my life and everyone around me. But there's there's a there's a formula for this, and this formula can't be interrupted. This can be enhanced. But here's my formula. I do all these things. Um, so I have another question for you, Joey. <laughs> what's oh, bring your it. I love formula <laughs> so so you have developed rituals and habits and non-negotiables in order to keep this healthy life and and moving forward even healthier it's clear and evident that you have fitness as part of your non-negotiable formula but how much time do you really spend on that how much time do you spend on your fitness? Okay, awesome question. Um, really awesome question because there are people who will casually say, like around the neighborhood or you know, live nearby, um, <laughs> you're, you're, you're always working out, okay? And I say, you know what? From, from your right. perspective, you're sort of right. And I'll say... I do exercise on a consistent basis daily. However, I am not exercising 24 hours a day. You might. Yeah. So I might exercise in the morning. I might do anywhere from half hour, sometimes 40 minutes, sometimes 20 minutes, uh, walk, run, jog early in the morning. So at some point in the early to late afternoon, I will do maximum of 30 minutes of my body weight training in the home gym here on the sculpt to fit unit. And then I may, if you want to consider this quote unquote working out, which is something else we can talk about, mm-hmm. I may do a bike ride in the evening before dinner or after dinner. I may do a two, two and a half mile walk while my daughter is at soccer practice. While other parents are sitting in their cars <laughs> with their smart device uh, lit up in the, lit up in their face, yeah. and they're doing whatever the heck they're doing on it, and they will be the first ones to tell me, "Oh, mm. I can't find time to exercise like you do." I'm like, "Well, I just did two miles while you were sitting in your car while these kids practiced on the field. Why can't you put you know sneakers and, and shorts in your car, mm. change up here, and get your butt moving?" Right? No, you do have time, but you're choosing to ignore it or you're choosing not to structure it as such. So it's pleasure for you. I don't consider that working out. Right. Uh, it's, oh, it's big pleasure. It's, 
feels good. I, I would not be able to sit in my car and scroll through a, a device and, and do whatever they're doing. Mm-hmm. To me, that would be a waste of, of valuable time. So I need to be out there, whether it's cold or warm or you know whatever. I still need to be moving this body, and it, it fuels me. It feeds me when I'm doing that. So I don't label that as working out per se, but that I will put under the category of physical activity and movement which we all need. Everybody needs. This, this body was designed to move. If it was designed to be sedentary, we would actually be a tree with roots in the ground and we wouldn't move. But we're humans designed to move through this life. So I don't know if that helps uh, clarify how much I quote unquote work out, how much time I spend per day. If you want to talk about the specific like training, resistance training and flexibility, it's a solid 30 minutes per day, sometimes a tiny bit less, maybe 22 to 26, sometimes a little more if I want to take my time, I want to do some extra stuff. Yeah, and, and Joey, um, I know that the, the differentiator that between you and other people, and, and you know, sometimes the mind shift happens when people look at you and they would say, or, or people come to me at work and they would say, oh my God, you must spend so much, you must be so obsessed with food and working out and health. You have no time for anything else. (laughs) No, I I know, Joey, that you you share this, that you have the mindset of, well, part of the part of my life that I value the most is keeping strong and healthy. It doesn't take much, but I've incorporated the rest of my life into this and I take pleasure in it. And the results are so amazing that it's, mm-hmm. this is my life. I incorporate it. It's not an obsession. It doesn't take a lot of time. It's here and there and it's, it's quality. It's quality, right? It's not all day long and hours and, and obsessing over things. It's quality. You know, yeah, exactly. It's this thing about taking too much time or taking much time or taking however time. Mm -hmm. I see it as a gift to be able to have the time to choose how I want to spend it. And that's what all people are doing. They're just choosing how to spend their time. When somebody says, I don't have, you know, I wish I had the time. That's bull. Like very, very rarely that there's somebody in a legitimate situation who may be extremely limited with their time, but everybody's life is important enough to carve out some time to take care of it. So it's a choice. It's a choice. It's a mindset. It's a choice. And if you want to live in your best health and if you truly say, oh, I wish I could be like you, or I wish I could look like you, or I wish you know, I could have the same discipline, yeah. it's just as easy as doing it. Like, just If you can say what you just said, then you should be able to just simply <clears throat> make the decisions to incorporate the proper habits. Now, that being said, I understand that it can be quite confusing for, I don't want to say the uneducated or people who are not well-versed in what they should choose for themselves to do as their form of exercise, I understand it. And that's, that's one of the reasons why we do this podcast and we do you know, blog posts and the short, short form podcasts mm-hmm. is that, so that we're putting out information, the YouTube videos, that I take it upon myself. It's a responsibility to me to put 
stuff out there so that people can find things that are not only realistic and doable, but and they it's not get results. It's not, with this it's kind not of stuff. complicated. And so and it's, not difficult. it's not difficult. No. And mm-hmm. I show what I do mostly in real time on Facebook Live. And I'll save those videos because I want people to see. When people say, well, you know, what do you do? Well, go to my Facebook or go to YouTube and look at the last two or three videos. You'll see exactly what I do. And they will see I'm not doing any kind of hardcore bust my body training. I'm not doing any kind of high intensity boot camp style, risky, uh, unsafe stuff. I'm not doing anything that no other person without any kind of orthopedic issues can't be doing. Right? It's this is if you have doctor's clearance for basic exercise, anybody no, can do you go against the norm. What, what I do, my style of training. Mm-hmm. And so I share it so that exactly. So I share that because people are used to seeing what the norm is. And if I would if I was a quote unquote regular person in society trying to find my way to fitness, and all I had was this mass media norm. Uh, menu of what everybody's doing, this high intensity, push, 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 you know, go hard or go home, push till you puke, then I'd be really confused. And I wouldn't even want to work out. I would find excuses not to do it. Right. So I put myself out there. We share our stories. We share how we do things so that people can find a different way that is doable where they can say, yeah, I I can do that. That's, that's something I can follow. That doesn't look right. Exactly. So, mm. right. And so on that note, don't lose, okay. your, don't lose your train of thought Cute. on the question line there. I have a question for you. Okay. So you yeah. said you've been using some of my videos since, since we've met up. And you said, I remember one of our conversations, that you're learning so much. I love hearing that, of course. I love hearing that people are learning from what I'm putting out there, people at different levels, different parts of the journey. So I'd like to ask you a specific question. Can you give me something specific that you've learned in any of the videos you've already watched and tried um, that would help, uh, help give a good example? And anybody listening, give an example of what, what, the, what, what has Laura learned having been on this path for most of her life now coming across some of these videos from Joey, what has she learned that oh has my helped goodness. her at this, this is point? a great question, and but I got to get me I listening have bulleted to this. lists here for oh you. All right. So, oh man, I, nice. where to begin oh, okay. is the first time I saw one of your videos, I first noticed your pace and the pace of how you were doing your exercise and how many repetitions. It was a tremendously much slower pace, very simplified and controlled. And I've mm-hmm. absolutely, from there, went right into the gym, lessened my reps, and slowed and concentrated with control my movements. That was the first thing. And that's huge. I know that there's a lot of people mm-hmm. that um, have actually mm-hmm. come to me and asked, why are you going so slow? And it is. It's almost meditational. It's oh, uh, incredible. It's changed the way I've worked out. Instead of becoming autonomous with a lap right. pull down, I go very slow and controlled. And less is more, Joey. Mm-hmm. I learned that from you. Less is more. And that's mm-hmm. that's 
the first few points. There's another thing right. I started to pick up on doing mm-hmm. lower body movements and your leg movements that mm-hmm. I followed the video with you and Chris most recently. Um, I've incorporated that into my routine. That's a permanent fixture mm-hmm. in my routine. You should take pride in that, right? I've, I only fit in very special. I don't do a lot. I do a lot and I don't take that much time. I do. Um, But I've incorporated this one Mm -hmm. into four movements that I do. And this one, Mm -hmm. I believe, made all the difference. And again, controlled, concentrated, slow pace, movement, quality, concentrated and quality. Mm -hmm. And it's it's amazing to me how only, I think it's been about... I want to say six weeks now. How in six weeks? I wish I took before and after pictures. I've I'm not I'm not a picture girl. I've got to get I've got to get past that that thing there. But uh, I, I truly feel well, I see it. I see the difference, and I also see the difference in how I am when I work out. It's a different sense yeah. of mm-hmm. peace when working out instead of grinding it and you know and hitting it hard and you know it's a very controlled. Like what I'm doing matters. Right. Every move I make, every controlled move I make actually has a tremendous result. Mm-hmm. And it's not just doing to do, it's doing because the result is awesome. And I've been, I've mm-hmm. been told by some of my friends at work that even noticed in my pair of pants, they're like, wow, you know, you, you look really good. I'm like, yeah, I didn't, thank you. I feel that was very exciting, but I didn't, I wasn't doing it for nice. this. I was doing it to, <laughs> to you know, to, to check out, you know, Joey Atlas's moves yeah, here to see I if I you. can, but it really helped me on so many mm-hmm. levels. So it was, it was a, a, a very instant result, but I did it over six weeks to prove to myself, you know, how much better could I get? And it also changed my, it, it changed the habit of the way I work mm-hmm. out and my mind and where was, where was I actually, was I focusing on numbers and repetition? What was I thinking about? I was thinking about the form moving yeah, slow right. and breathing. It was mm-hmm. almost, it almost reminded me of yes what the feeling I get when I go jogging. If I slow down my pace instead of running to, to, you know, go long or sprint, it's, relax, enjoy, breathe it in. Everything you do makes a difference and it doesn't have to be for long. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. a lot. Right. Yeah. Right. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Awesome. That's well said. Uh, yeah. That's good stuff there. Thank you. Well said. Um, we'll have to revisit that because there's a lot there when we start peeling back those layers in regards to, pre-programmed norms of how people think they're supposed to work out or they heard you're supposed to work out or this trainer told me this is the best or uh, I read the magazine article or I saw this blog post and you have to do this and you have to go fast and um, you have to go to failure. And so again, what we're talking about here is more of the opposite of what most people are used to hearing. And so, we have to we have to keep putting this out there. So I, I thank you for recognizing that and and sharing those insights. Um, because anybody listening again, whether it's today, the time we publish this next week, or ten years from now, 
uh, and Joey, your this mission is still going to make all the sense so in the world because the body so is going to be the body when you're doing uh, this. No so what. it's not just the and people that are going to hear this later. It's mm-hmm. also how genuinely interested you are into just putting it out there so someone else can hear it. You know, you're not you're not doing this to prove anything except for hey, look how simple right. this is. Right. That's it. Trust me. Try it. It's very very visible. Your mission, and that comes across. Um, that comes across even more than technique, how important you want to help. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, hey, we're recording this on a, a, a sunny Sunday uh, afternoon. It's mm-hmm. the first day of spring 2018. I'm in Northeastern yeah. Florida. You're up in New York. Uh, but we're taking the time to do this because we care. We want to help people. And so we record this once and it will most likely exist for a lifetime. And we might be helping people 20 years from now with this specific recording. So we're we're actually, Mm -hmm. we're coming up on an hour. So we have some options here. We can close this episode out. We can take any notes we still have and do another one. Uh, Or if there's one or two burning things you want to ask, we can do that now and then save the rest for another episode because this was actually pretty good. This this conversational Mm -hmm. style was really helpful, actually. Yes. I think it's much more powerful than a monologue. (laughs) So is there anything else you want to get into this this one? This is going to turn into a question. Um, so I talked about how my father was feeding me and my brother, these happy meals and stuff, Mm -hmm. but I want my attempt to go, Oh man, my poor dad is listening, but I really, but there Uh people can change. And my father is living proof of that. And you're not born this way. And we were saying, you know, you're not born this way. Mm -hmm. These were learned behaviors. He didn't know any better. He was doing the best he can. He didn't grow up with you know, the, that kind of learning, but he did turn his life around as well. And my father is a wonderful example. And so is my mom of, of turning their lifestyle and habits and mindset and food and how they eat and and what they do together and how they exercise together. It's just, it's changed their lives. And I, you know, their even their relationship I've seen enhanced Joey, just by incorporating how they've gone for walks together and they'll go, they'll go do things together that incorporate exercise without the mindset of its exercise. It's just healthy mm-hmm. habits to share with one another. And it's quite different. I, that's not what I saw growing right. up, you know, and, and I'm so glad to see that, but my father's different now. He, he eats really healthy. It's almost like, who is this person? And my, so that's turning into, for me, I wanted to ask you, <laughs> Nice. What uh-huh. what shifted for you with food? Hmm. Yeah, awesome question. Um, so I grew up in a traditional Italian household, and food was life. Still is in certain ways, um, especially around the holidays. Um, so there was always really, really good food. Um, even if it was basic, um, because my grandparents, parents had to live in a budget. Um, it was still awesome. Like they just knew how to cook and it was so appetizing. 
that even the most basic things uh, were very addictive to me. Pasta was so addictive. Uh, bread and butter, Italian bread and butter was so addictive. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Italian desserts were like, uh, I had, it was tough. It was tough not eating them. I, I overate them. And so there were so many more dishes and uh, food was a struggle for me because it was, it, I enjoyed and I still do. I still fully enjoy food. It's just that I've shifted the paradigm so that the enjoyment uh, is a different type of enjoyment and my choices have shifted and the amounts have shifted. So there was no specific day when that shift, big shift happened. What it was is a series of ups and downs in my life and coming to the realization of how powerful the codependent, my codependency on food had become and how much pleasure I derived from food and being able to eat uh, whenever and whatever I wanted. And that was even more prevalent going through the dark, challenging times of, of the marriages and the divorces. There was so much that felt out of my control that food was something I could control and I could derive as much pleasure as I want from it as long as I had the money to buy it and I had the access to it. And so that's where my pleasure came from. And the unfortunate part of that was I could, that be, combining that with my childhood love for awesome, good-tasting foods, um, it just led me to really start overeating too much. And I, I was gaining weight continuously in, in uh, probably in my early, late 20s, early 30s. And it was almost like I couldn't control the scale because I couldn't control my eating habits and the amounts that I was eating from as soon as I woke up until right before bed and the whole day in between. Every opportunity to eat was an opportunity for enjoyment and pleasure. And I took full advantage of that. And it affected my health big time. So the weight was the outward uh, visual aspect of overeating and eating the wrong things. Several uh, annual medical profile visits with the doctor really opened my eyes to what's going on on the inside. And blood pressure was becoming a problem. My cholesterol was becoming a problem. My triglycerides were becoming a problem. A lot of things were becoming problematic in, in that full physical and blood work profile. And it really made me start thinking, um, my life is not going to end well if I stay on this path of being codependent on food for all of my pleasures. So that has to change. My pleasure has to come from somewhere else. And if it does come from food, the types of foods and the amounts of foods have to change. And and so the pleasure derived has to change. So it took full stock really. You know, I realized I want to be around for my kids. Um, Despite going through the divorces, I knew Ultimately, I want to be in, in a fantastic relationship for, for the rest of my life. And when that opportunity presents itself, I don't want to be at my worst. I want to be either at my best or in a zone that has me working toward my best on that path. And so when I took stock of all this and what was most important to me, 
the, the, the food and the pleasure from food became not even secondary. It just moved way down the list because other priorities took the place of the pleasure and the codependency on food. And so once that really sunk in, I started putting my health, my wellness, my longevity first because it was important to me. It was important for my kids that they knew their dad is their healthiest version of, of himself and that I'm not going to let them down in that regard. And for me to open the door for the right relationship to exist in my life at some point, I knew that I had to be a certain type of person living my life based on certain values and executing on those values as a regular way of life so that when that type of person comes into my life, she can, she can see and understand exactly who I am and, and who she's dealing with and then decide if that is going to blend well with her life, her goals, and her direction and her values. And so I had to be that person first. And so all that together made me make that major shift and realign you, how you I know, go about my day and the things I do you, specifically you throughout the I day. Think Makes sense? Root cause when you, when you look at yourself and you examine, what is it that I'm doing and how am I getting here? Like you do and mm. you review it and you evaluate and you question it and you challenge it. And then you say, there's, this isn't right. You, you know, what's the root cause of why I'm doing this? Why do I need to look for pleasure in food? Maybe I need to look for pleasure somewhere else. Or what is this need for intense pleasure? What's going on in my life where I'm so troubled that I need to have this extreme outlet and right and 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 you know food, mm -hmm. of course, or yes. you know, for some people, yes. drugs, alcohol, or any addiction. <laughs> it's yeah. it's the root cause of why you're doing it and you figured it out, Jerry. Right, and right. you know, that food was my addiction. You know, I think for us in our lives, we go through this all the time. Right. We go through what if something is going on, are we really listening to are we you know, our bodies are all telling. And yes. we either are tuned in or tuned out. And it's a choice you make and it's a choice that you made to tune in and dial it into the right direction and law of attraction. You, you, you bring out the best in yourself for yourself and that sends waves of vibration into the universe yeah. and everything starts to come together. And that person that you're looking for is also looking for that person like yes, you, you know, where you're all at the same place and we're all at different paths in our lives and at different, mm -hmm. at different times. But when you exactly. are focused on taking care of yourself and listening to yourself, that changes your vibration. You're, 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 you're that much more real. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it, yeah. Yeah. It shows anybody who's observant enough how conscious and self-aware you are in your life and, and, and how intentionally you are living. Mm. And mm, not everybody will see it. Yeah. Only certain people who are capable of seeing <laughs> it will notice it. <laughs> That's the beauty of it. It's kind of self-selective, um, which is awesome. So now I gave you the short version of how I woke up uh, to the food issues and realigned my priorities and made the shift. You know, you peel the onion a few more layers and we get into some nitty gritty stuff that 
people who are struggling can benefit from uh, if we if, if we can share more. So I think maybe there's some homework to be done on the exact specifics and some of the things I was trying to where I wasn't getting pleasure, why I tried to get that pleasure from the foods. Um, I think there's some light to be shed there that can help other people in understanding some more of the specifics and, um, and it will help clarify exactly how I executed on my mind shift and the strategies I implemented to actually take the steps to make the changes that would stick, that I could stick to and make my new mindset, all my new habits that aimed at this new lifestyle, which then circled back, of course, into the mindset, the habits. It's all a circle. Everything's connected. How you think, what you do, the end results you get, it's all cyclical. (laughs) Everything feeds into itself. It's all connected. So I think there's probably more material that we can share in the future that will um, (laughs) – yeah, please, please do. Like, because we will revisit, For now. we will flesh them out, and we will give people even more actionable info. So, if that was your final question for now, I think oh, we yeah. have uh, plenty more talking points to revisit. And I have a feeling that <laughs> this is just the first episode <laughs> of of more. Where, where? So, if you are listening, actually, if you are listening, you are listening. Anybody listening, you listening, on the, if you're listening in Apple iTunes, leave us a review. Let us know what you thought about this specific episode, what you think about this podcast in general. If you're listening on the joeyatlas.com website, mm-hmm. on the episode page, scroll down. There's a comment box and reply box there. Let us know what you thought of this. You won't hurt our feelings. If you have some constructive criticism, that's cool. If you have positive stuff and you derive something positive out of this and you want more of this, you want us to go deeper, you want us to go into other topics, please let us know that. If we know that, then we can we can do it. We'll be fired up to do it. If you're listening on Laura's website, uh, it's very possible that she's going to have the embed version of this episode on a page on her website. If you're listening there and you can reply right there on her site, please do reach out to her. Let her know what you thought of this. Let her know if something specific helped you and if there's something more that you want that you feel will help benefit your life, not just in the short term, but also in the long term. And we we will be happy to revisit that and put material together in the form of other episodes to talk more about that stuff, to continue to help you. (laughs) Did Did I cover that properly, Laura? Is there anything else we need to add in that regard? I have to thank you, Joey, for having me uh, on your podcast. So let's wrap this up. (laughs) I'm going to... Thank you so much. What am I going to do here? i got to find... I have to thank you, Joey, for having me on your podcast. Yeah, it's a total pleasure. We knew this was going to be pretty good. And I think we exceeded our expectations. Again, you listening to this, hearing us, let us know how this has impacted you. We've got the uh, closing music in the background there. So if you want to connect with Laura, as I promised earlier, you can connect with her right now at her website, which is Laura Inspired Project. And I'm going to spell that out for you. It is L-A-U-R-A-I-N-S-P-I-R-E-D-P-R-O-J-E-C-T.com. 
lauraInspiredProject.com. And what I will do is on thejoeyatlas.com, if you come to the site and you click on shows in the upper right, click on the Fitness Whisperer, look for TFW number 16. That's the Fitness Whisperer episode number 16. I will put a link to her website in the show notes right on the page where we have this specific uh, streamer going for this episode. And you can connect with her directly through there. She will be happy to hear That's from it. you. I'm so grateful. Happy to connect. I'm so grateful and that happy I hope to everyone help finds you along your journey. What they're looking and, uh, for. Anything else you want to say, Laura? Awesome. Thank you so much. I am going to uh, Thanks, Joey. say goodbye to you for now temporarily. And I'm going to let the intro play out. And then you and I are going to reconnect very soon. Cool? You're welcome. Thank you. Talk to you later. Bye.